This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart and I'm the producer and facilitator of this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. In this episode, I speak with artist Kevin Hoyman. Kevin makes amazingly intricate pen and ink drawings that capture his important sense of optimism and introspect. He also self-publishes a monthly comic book called Conditions on the Ground, which focuses on both philosophy and humor and the small but important moments in life that help us keep moving forward. The alternative comic book publisher Floating World Comics recently put out a beautiful hardcover anthology of Kevin's work, which you can find online and at finer bookstores. Here we are at Kevin's home studio in Brooklyn. So, I'm hoping wow, it works it out. Uh, Kevin Hoyman, thanks for sitting down with me here. Thank uh, you for coming over. Yeah, uh, one of the things when I when I sit down with an artist, I know I I, I acknowledge uh, I, I front load the conversation by acknowledging that we've known each other for a while. Yes, and that'll probably come through in the conversation. It has in the past when I've spoken to other artists, so I well, like good. to prepare listeners for the fact that we have a history together. Yeah, right. We'll uh, try to explain any uh, inside jokes. Or right. Whatever. Well, I'm, I try and avoid those, but um, when I first met you, it was through art. We shared a studio together. Yes. Um, and at that time, you were making drawings, pen and ink. Yes. That were from my point of view base well they were very narrative they told a story and they were much simpler than your work now it was usually like two elements like two animals or a person and an animal or two figures it's true talking to each other with speech bubbles yeah um and since then it's evolved but i wonder if you could describe to the viewers that are unfamiliar with your work um how how your work was then relative to it is now What's, I guess, uh, honest, for lack of a better word, I, and that, which was sort of what I was looking for, like what my authentic voice as an artist was. And I think it was also coming out of a history of, uh, of drawing basically in a cartoon style, which just came out of being a kid and reading comics, comic strips, and then sort of drawing, I think, you know, my first job as an artist was was like drawing comic strips to make uh kids in middle school laugh at whatever <laughs> you know yeah right which was in the comic style so basically my it felt like my authentic voice when i just sort of you know did what i just relaxed into it and and drew as naturally as i could was coming out kind of looking like middle school comics i guess which for better or for worse i didn't you know it didn't this was not a great thing in in my art career, I'd say. Yeah, and I grew up in Seattle. Yeah, about, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I I would agree that the work when I first met you, which was what thirteen, fourteen years ago, or something like that, at least. Yeah, yeah. Like two uh, two thousand three, I want to say, right around there. That could be. This sounds right. Let's mm-hmm. go with it. Um, your work was much simpler way more pared down than uh, the amount of uh visual information in it that is in it now so right. that that visual efficiency from 13 years ago makes sense when you're just trying to yeah, get to I the would point do, as quickly the as you problem, could I, then i would end up i mean i had a few shows a few shows that's that's probably it really uh, at that point and and i would show i made so much work like i would draw maybe 50 drawings per night and uh or you know could maybe on a good night it would be like that and uh i know that when i because i still have the boxes of them uh that i was doing shows where i'd show 500 or like 700 drawings and it was it just uh, who knows what i was doing i kind of just didn't know what to do with these things i had that many of them i couldn't tell which ones were really the good ones i mean to a certain degree i could but it maybe seemed like part of uh, no, part of the uh, 
How are you? Hi, Klaus. The Hi, Klaus the dog has just entered the conversation. Yeah. Hey, Klaus. And there he goes. I don't know if that means we'll be getting a, a visit from from a uh, little baby soon, but we'll see. Oh, no, this is because Klaus, this must mean baby's taking a nap and Klaus is coming down so he won't bark and wake baby. Right. So actually, I should, hold on. Klaus, get in here. Klaus! That's the no communication read on that co-parenting no, no, that's setup. Fine. Um, let's see, where was I? Oh uh, well, you were talking about showing your work. The oh few right, times yeah, and having, right. Having it an felt like a of, real debacle. An to, overload of drawings and not quite sure how to curate it, down. There wasn't. I didn't. You know, I don't. I don't know if I was really even looking to sell them. I, but it wasn't something I knew how to price or um, or. Uh, I don't know, maybe even had an appeal to a gallery to to sell drawings like that. And uh and I think it was a little overwhelming to even take in. I don't know how those shows came across. Well but- the first one I remember and this is before I think I was even showing work, was in Ross Bleckner's studio. Oh right. Well and, and that believe, was that I one believe, I did differently, but yeah. I believe did Josh Abelo curate uh, that or put it together? I couldn't say exactly how that happened. I guess I was sort of invited to be part of it, but I think it was through Leah Teneri. It was Leah Teneri, Josh Abelow, uh Jason Rothenberg, a, a photographer, mm-hmm. uh, and myself. And jo- yeah, you're right. Josh would have done it because he worked for Ross. Yeah, I think he was. And Ross then he had access Lechner's to the assistant for to the while. studio. Yeah, right. right. So that was the first time I saw your work on a wall outside of the studio. Yeah, and yes. And I think at the time I was I was more trying to be an illustrator. Yes, and you were. I identify with your work because it was illustrative. It is illustrative, right? It's, it's narrative based. It's telling a story, and I was impressed that you could also put this illustrative narrative work on the wall at that green time of my life, not understanding that oh, there's more mean, than one context for oh, this right. type of work. Well, I know, I know. And now I'm sort of gunning more at being an illustrator. Well, that's what I, I guess that's what I was trying to, to, trying to inch towards topic-wise, is one of the things that, um, you know, this is a flexible project, a fluid project. It's, I think it's going to evolve as I do right. more of these. But I do this little introduction where I say I, I talk with contemporary artists and I started to think about that title of contemporary and wondered if you thought that would didn't quite fit what you do right now or if that's okay. Yes. No, I don't know. Well, I do. I think I've been telling you as we've been leading up to this interview that uh, that I feel slightly in crisis, uh, slightly at a crisis point in in how I think of myself as an artist or uh, or what exactly I'm doing with my career. But, uh, no, I have well, I, I, contemporary artist. I mean, I think uh, I consider myself an artist. I don't think I'm really trying to participate in what we think of as, like, the art world. Right, the contemporary degree. art world. Yeah, the contemporary art right. world. Well, so yeah. I thought about this a little bit this morning before I came over, and I was like, contemporary artist, and we've had this conversation before. yeah. So I looked up what what the internet defines contemporary art as in it. I'll read it real quick. It's just a Wikipedia page. Oh, nice. Contemporary art is art produced at the present period in time. That's the first sentence. It gets a little bit deeper. Uh, contemporary art includes and develops from postmodern art, which is itself a successor to modern art. Mm. Uh, I could go further, but that first uh, sentence f- I think is important. Contemporary art is art produced at the present period in time. So right. if we're going to go by that de- definition, well, it's a pretty big umbrella to stand Yeah, under. sure. Um, right. And yeah, so I'd say like in the past, would you say five, seven years, you you made a distinct decision. Remember, we've talked about this before. Yeah. We're like, I'm not participating in that art that part of the art world showing working galleries. I'm, I'm not so much. I mean, it was as I was sort of getting into. I the, it was fitting square pegs into a round hole to some degree, like trying to hang all those drawings on the wall, or just trying to. I yeah, it, it, I just felt like I was banging my head against a door a little bit with with uh, with my relationship with trying to be a, a gallery artist, and yeah, it wasn't. It, it, yeah. 
I maybe maybe I felt rejected by that world. I mean, I have to say I I did feel that way and was and that was tr- the case. But you know, equally so, I wasn't f- inspired by. It. I wasn't looking at that at that at things going on there, thinking like, "My God, I wish I could be part of it all." You right. know, it, it was a bit of a turnoff. It, as you know, it can be. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was not loving the New York uh, art scene. I know you're supposed. To, well, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but you know, to go to people go to openings to keep in touch with it all and this and that and like that was that that was not something i i became less and less interested in that and enjoyed it less and less and uh and i did some work in the art world you know art moving and all the all the jobs artists have and like that exposure was was maybe the worst somehow because then you'd, you'd somehow you'd feel bad about i don't know that well you got a little snapshot of behind the curtain of you, the art you're world behind the curtain yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly and it just i guess i lost faith in in uh yeah, that world lost significance as as like a point of inspiration for me. It's just I've heard uh, you describe it as not feeling right for you and your work. Uh, yeah, and let's 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 honor the fact that you did you put on some pretty good shows that were well received. Uh, I yeah, I mean I I don't know I I, I did I, the sort of circuit of of shows on the I, you know what would it be almost like an underground art world or well, what do you yeah, call that you, what do you call like cinders or something yeah it's like an artist run space yeah right right uh, or yeah I mean it would be places where you'd have no there, nobody would be selling anything and the whole it was it was all people doing it for the love of it and the people who would show up would be i guess other artists which maybe is the case with actually with a lot of galleries i suppose but uh um i did yeah i did a couple of of shows um you know and maybe they i don't know well received i guess they i guess so you know i sold a few things and and uh um i don't know maybe people some people liked stuff yeah right I bought a piece of yours, or traded a piece. Yes, maybe, yeah. I know. I like your bathroom. Yeah, right. Good, Joe. Yeah. Let's pause. Let's pause on art world. Okay. Yes. Talk. Yeah. And I want to ask you about your bath you just took. Okay. (laughs) Since I've known you, I've never heard you mention. I got to go take a shower. Yes, I prefer to. You prefer to take (laughs) a bath to lie down and. And I think it fits your character. Yeah, you, you let it steam up around me. I've rarely seen you in a rush. I've uh, rarely seen you. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I see gravity these settings that ask us to sit still for a minute and think mm. and be with ourselves. And a bath makes total sense to me. Well, yes. No, a bath is a great spot to think. I wish I had more time for for just indulging. Right, my and you're a family habit. man. You have two kids. And now it's that, like I, I know you're you know, like taking bath with the two small. Oh, children. I wanted to linger in the in today's uh-huh. bath, but yeah. I it was in and out. You know, I just got, I just, I just had a dip. <laughs> a dip, because <laughs> because uh, there's always something to do these days. I mean, sometimes I'll get a late night bath, and then I, that's mm-hmm. yeah. And you're not sitting there drinking a glass of Chardonnay. Just to be clear, it's not that. I'm having type a of cup bath. of coffee probably yeah, cap, this hour. Coffee. Have you ever made a drawing while you're taking a bath? I've not. I've thought. I've written. I've I've drawn ideas. I've I've come up with ideas and maybe taken notes, but I don't even think I bring paper or pen near the bathtub. I don't. The whole water spilling on paper. Yeah, it's is, not really yeah. conducive to well, paper unless should, you're very I careful. I should think about it. Well, that's the thing. I'm not, you can't, you'd have to say, I'm, you might know me as not the most careful person either. So, <laughs> uh, I so thought about anyhow, this, this summer is... trying to make a drawing while kayaking. I was like, oh, this might be an interesting space to Yeah, that's very New Hampshire, out. Joe. Yeah, I was on a trip up to New Hampshire yeah. and, and then I got in the boat, and I was like, "This is actually very uncomfortable," and I didn't see it through. No, so maybe I'm lazy. But now I'm kind of into your drawing in the bath idea, so I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I mean, because I'm, I guess I'm, I'm following a kick about trying, just trying to just to get loose. What are the tricks to draw loose? That's you a know? that's a great point. It's something I've asked other artists in in these <laughs> conversations. Do you have any tricks that you can think of that help you jumpstart? the way you work or generate an idea or are there places mm. you go or things you read? 
No, I think if I, I mean, I know it's just getting to know your, I mean, I don't have one trick, so to speak, or maybe I do, but the way I'll I'll talk about it is, uh, I feel like it's just getting to know yourself and what hangs you up and where you get stuck. And it's like, sometimes I barely feel in control of it all, but, but just enough. So like, like that I can sort of steer the ship. Um, and I think that the less consequence I can put on a drawing, like if I, you know, like I have been pursuing illustration jobs, uh, well, not even, but I'll take them when they, when they come. And I like, I like doing illustration work, but, uh, if, if I have a job that I consider important, I'll draw, I'll draw, can you, I was going to say I'll draw shitty, but is this a clean? You can say shitty. All right. Then I'll just relax about it. I'll, I'll draw, I'll draw shitty. I'll be all frozen up and like, I don't know, worried. I'd worried about every worried about inconsequential decisions, like worried about one little line I got wrong when I'm and, and missed the big picture on a drawing and I, that. So it's fighting that impulse for me to like, and that's why I think the bath could be good. Like wet paper. Oh, there, well, this really doesn't matter if the paper's already wet. It's almost junk. And, and like when I draw, with an approach that it's almost junk, I feel like that free, that I, I draw the most free and maybe surprise myself, which is where there's some joy in it all or something. Right, like, yeah, taking that pressure off is important. Yeah. I connected to that, I think, would be, uh, I haven't really talked to you in a, a bit about the materials you use, but I know you as someone that draws yeah, on right. coffee paper. Well, yes. Affordable copy paper. No, and that was very much that approach. Like an office supply store. Yeah. With a, a pen that you sign checks with. Yeah. Not a fancy art store pen. No, it's true. You use very uh, uh, attainable well, and approachable materials, and I think that might be part of it, too. For the first time in my life, and I've, I'm very aware of it, like for the past maybe six weeks... I've been able to draw loose on $3 sheet paper, which isn't even so expensive. But for me, it's like I'm drawing loose on nice paper. I, and I, it's, uh, I can't believe it took me this long to like even be able to feel comfortable with it. But uh, it was a long buildup, so to speak. And right. yeah, it used to be coffee paper, uh, copy paper. Right. One of the things I do in my studio is I, I work on big sheets of paper sometimes that cost money because they're big. Yeah, right. Um, but well, and I have to fall out of love with them immediately. And I, by one yeah. of the ways I do that is to scuff it up and right. walk all over it and rub it all over the floor, put it between right. two pieces of plywood and, well, and get it all sort of beat so up and if weathered. You, but it, now if you have a wrong stroke, is it, it's can be, you have it. It's not a throwaway though. Cause you're, you can white over the black or black yeah, over I, the whites or like, uh, I don't know. I'm hesitant to call much of what I do in, in my studio throwaway because yeah, yeah. I end up using figuring out how to use it somehow. I might not like it right away, like, ah, oh, that doesn't right. feel good. And I put it aside, and then maybe I'll come back to it the next day and cut a section out and put a new section in, and it, yeah. it, it, it re-energizes it in a way. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of my tricks. But yeah. I like this idea. Like, I want to... I can imagine you sitting in the bathtub trying to make a drawing or, and also I can imagine you building an apparatus, a custom apparatus because you're pretty good with woodworking. I've seen the furniture that you Thank build you, around Jeff. your house and this beautiful bed that you've made your son. It's got all sorts of racetracks in and out of it. Yes. But what a great thing to imagine Kevin Hoyman building a drawing apparatus for the bath for the bath i can picture him. it i'll use one of those tv arms you know we'll get it we'll have it swing out from yeah, the wall like a little table something. um well yes uh what was i gonna say before that oh oh i was thinking of of uh of the or why i was asking about the mist strokes is because i have a sort of strange relationship with whiteout which I kind of hate to bring in, but the second you've done it, it does take the ease off. I mean, I'm drawing in sort of a conventional comic style, so mm-hmm. I, for whatever reason, I like to have, I like there not to be, uh, I guess I'm going for a mistake-free look. It's weird. I don't know why. Well, your stuff is drawn to be reproduced at this point. Yeah, at this point. So I'm it's d- important uh, yeah. that, it, that it reproduce well. 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I've shifted worlds. I mean, and I'm in a world of uh, of uh, where that's valued, sort of in the in this world of comics and illustration, and yeah, and books, which I guess is another thing that I, that I have always done uh, was make these books uh, of drawings. Right. That, uh, can we can we tack back to that? Yeah, whole, yeah. Dis- like making a clear decision to exit the the world of art that is galleries and trying to sell original artwork to deciding you know what that's not quite for me i don't feel yeah, comfortable sure, yeah. there I, I actually more interested in this publishing end of things and and self-publishing and making books and and making zines and yeah yeah that's been very that rewarding like once for you me. got there I, I remember when you started to explain this to me and you lit up it was really cool for me yeah. to see a fire come back yeah and well, your shoulders sort of you know i've been doing this because I, I think in uh you know I, I'm a, I have a drawing habit so it's just oh i'm always drawing and when i wasn't having gallery shows i it there was something about just stacking them in boxes and putting them away that was you know i it somehow doesn't complete the process that that you want i i'm thinking about this for some reason because what what I don't know. It should be sort of for yourself, but you do want to... I needed something. I wanted other people to see it. I guess that is part of it. When I'm drawing it, I'm imagining somewhere in my mind that I'm talking to someone. And uh, when they went in boxes, it's like... It's yeah. Yeah, you want to get it out there. It, Share it hurts. It, it hurts a bit. So, anyways, I started printing my my own books of of these drawings and didn't quite know what they were. I guess and I. I was distributing. I started distributing just through uh, printed matter, which was my uh, my intro into the world of of, of books. Um, and then people found me through there, and uh, without me really being so aware of of this uh, indie comic world, um, that was sort of the world I was selling books into. Like uh, I was I was in all the stores around the country. Can I ask you how you got? Uh, involved at printed matter that's you know oh, printed, printed matter, matter is an institution that, yeah right that, that's well quite coveted in the world of art books and i know and, yeah and self-publishing yes that leans towards no art. it was uh and i know a lot of people that want to get their stuff in there and i did like, a show my my senior year of college i did a show where i was trying to draw i was trying to draw um basically an encyclopedia like draw draw my knowledge of everything um but without 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 referencing anything outside of my own brain or my own knowledge about it i thought this would be interesting i always like doing this just defining things uh in my own way i guess and uh so i did a show i only made it through the a's but you know this was uh i know i think it was 370 drawings for the a's and this is um, your senior show my senior show at, in, at, at brown yeah okay yeah and under <laughs> in, in undergrad um I still have I have these drawings somewhere, but uh, a friend of mine who was like on the on the the fast track, the art circuit, like did uh, Brown to the Whitney program to UCLA to to uh, I don't know to art stardom, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, he he knew he said it, he basically just put it, he gave he he made that a book and and gave it to Printed Matter. Uh, he had for a me. I think he maybe Matter. even did it. He might have done it without me knowing. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it was a favor. It was. I was thankful for it. I felt really good about it. But, uh, but yeah, he he made it all happen. So it was sort of someone someone who was a little more connected. It was a to referral from another friend. It was a referral, uh, and I only made a few copies of that because I was photocopying the the book was just photocopies bound together with like that cheap plastic the referral thing. is so powerful in the art world isn't really it? Well, well i don't I, know if he carried weight there he just knew about printed matter i mean you know he was a, a lot of opportunities too. i can't imagine he was been through referrals or through people i've known yeah I and i think it speaks so. to that that phrase i don't know how to say it properly but the people that you are around or really help you move forward through things yeah yeah or pull you backwards depending on no, it's true. What type true. of people they are, right? I guess this is why it's good to be around other people in general, and and maybe other artists, is because uh, all the little all the little ways they influence you or, or right. uh, help you out. Uh, something else that is very important in your work is the writing. 
Well, that's true. Yes. I, 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 I think of drawing and writing in the way you do, similar to learning how to play the piano very well. One hand has to be doing one thing very well. Another hand has to be doing another thing very well. And they need right. to sync up at the same time well, to, make, to deliver this interesting product at the end. Yeah. And your writing is actually quite beautiful. And one of the things that oh, well, thank you, Joe. keeps me glued into it. Uh, and it's yeah. very introspective. And it's, it's oftentimes kind of existential questions about life and the universe and her place in it. Right, I know, and this is an ongoing theme with I think a lot of your work, uh, and maybe I know. You know to, I hope this doesn't sound too cheap or saccharine, but a little bit of navel gazing going on. <laughs> yeah, navel gazing. Uh, uh, can you can you talk about that a little bit and why why that's come into your work as much as it has? Wait, maybe can you clarify what you mean by navel navel gazing? Let me back up. I didn't okay, ask yeah, my yeah. question very well. Your writing is very good. No, that's yeah, right. Thanks, Joe. How did you learn to write? Let's just oh let's, well, let's yeah, simplify. right. No, I mean, I I think I always was um like like a writer. I was a reader, right, as a kid, and uh, then I I I was into writing from the first opportunities in school. I guess that where we wrote, uh, yeah, I guess like little poems and th- I liked. I liked writing and and even uh, got into Brown actually for I mean I I always wanted to be an artist so I was going there to pursue art courses but but what got me into that school was uh, was writing and uh, my writing samples and my writing teachers referrals and things like this uh, and uh, so it's always been something that's a little, it's important to me and I didn't know. Uh, at, at Brown, I took one writing course and was like, so appalled by, <laughs> by, by the people that that was it. But, uh, and was the, the art, the art courses were like the opposite. I was just all excited about all these new art weirdos I was, I was meeting. Right. And the philosophy uh, component of your work, the sort of. Oh, right. Well, I don't know where that, I mean, I think about that stuff. It, it gets a little embarrassing. I feel a little embarrassed about how into that stuff I am and how, how like every time when I sit down to write, you're looking at that blank page, like the same, it's going to be those same uh, impulses to like get down to like the introspective, you know, what is it all? These are core questions to the human experience. Well, I was, I've Who been am into I? Why am for I a here? while, but I want to be loved. I want to love something else. Yeah, right. I want to die happy. Right. And and I guess in a way they're all questions. I mean, I haven't figured out exact I can't say I know exactly what I'm doing or it's a fully conscious decision uh that, that that's the stuff I'm always into. And I do, you know, to be fair, I have a few a few things where I'll just write about something dumb, but um but yeah, I've always been into that stuff. What's an example and- of something dumb relative to uh well like I feel like one of the one of the comics I've done recently that was like maybe most popular was uh was about opening a, a can of dog food that that smelled like someone had taken a, an actual shit in that can and then sealed it up at the factory and, and sort of you know just something like that or like a so that's dumb relative know, to whether or uh, not I can carry two characters trying to figure out how to get along uh wait say or, that again well, I feel like I've read some of your stories or some of your zines where there's a conflict going on between yeah, yeah. a creature and a uh, a human-like figure. Right. And they're trying to resolve an issue. Yeah. Which we could apply to, like, everyday life versus yeah, th- this yeah. more humor-based thing where someone took a shit in a dog food can. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. Now I'm doing... I, I'm doing... I guess I guess I used. Well, let me think of. I'm I'm trying to. Th- there has been some change, you know, and I've and I've and I've been making um, more conventional or trying to make a, a, a sort of conventional comics, like narr- straight like narrative, you're keeping stuff. a sense of humor about. Yeah, things, and, which I, and is I do like there to be. It's true. I always, I I'm not all in on 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 the uh, you know where are we in the universe like like seriousness of it. Like there's a smirk on my face to some degree with with all of that. I I feel like I 
I don't know. Yeah, humor's humor's always humor's important to me. I think humor's like the most generous thing to do in communicating uh to to try to make somebody laugh and like uh I don't know. I would I, agree. I try. I try. I would agree. I think some of the smartest people that walk right now are comedians. Those right. that can make us laugh especially in the world we live in now. And you know, I have a point of view that life is mostly absurd especially right now i feel like things are so absurd so to be able to laugh the psychology yeah. of laughing in the face of absurdity is important yeah yeah laughing feels good i mean i think i just had this approach to some degree it was like life gets hard it's full of all sorts of crap you know mm-hmm. like i don't need to make I don't need to like make something to tell people about all that about the crappy feeling. Well, it seems like, like maybe the, the 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 humorous work is a balance to the the work that is a bit more philosophical. Well, yes, yeah, maybe. I I mean I think it does. I think it like I think I'm always sort of conscious, and even when I'm laying out books uh, now, I've been doing sort of a, a monthly comic that's uh 32 pages every month and uh when i'm figuring out uh the combo of what's going to be in that book i try i try if i go super heavy with one i uh i uh i, I follow it up with a with a poop joke you know very good keep, <laughs> yeah. keep it balanced and then I, and i've got another series when like the heaviest thoughts you know, like now i'm just sort of write, writing um I write in notebooks some just and collect collect writing and then later try to process it into a, into a comic but the heaviest one oh. I I set as a I've been doing a, a comic a series uh, called Spirit Squad which is it's like a teenage like cheerleaders that talk about it which I feel like just the setting of it makes it like a little I don't know. Right, let me let me back up a little bit. I have a sort of a process question yeah when you sit down to do a multi-page book yes and it made me you, you describing taking notes ahead of time made me think of this for some yeah, reason i just assume that. that you sort of went freestyle do you well do you lay these I, out before you start them I, this in is some way? this is the newest trial in my life yeah is is trying to i've always drawn totally freestyle uh and the first, like, this whole series I've done, uh, 22 books, the whole thing was freestyle. Like, I didn't plan those ones. It was it was just drawing one panel as you went and seeing how far it went. I mean, sometimes... And you were writing had, along at the same time? Yeah, with these ones I was, uh, yeah, writing so along. So the drawing was freestyle, the writing was freestyle, and it just sort of led itself it, in a way? It, yes, yes. I mean, sometimes the writing outpaces the drawing you know and it goes you you end up with a bunch of uh of of pencil work in the margins and uh and then you catch up with the i mean uh, yeah the drawing i'm usually catching up with the writing but yeah yeah they were they were very freestyle and unplanned and uh i'm interested in trying to (laughs) trying to do a planned book i feel like you know freestyle's a freestyle's fun freestyle is easy and uh i'm wondering if the reason i haven't ever planned anything is simply that like i don't i don't want it to be that uh that i'm just unwilling to work and that the stuff would be a lot better if i actually like wrote it before i inked it in i find when i have sort of a firmish game plan for things yeah it doesn't invite me to to change along the way and i think changing along the way is important for me or yeah. adjusting so that that's th- true. that pressure gets put back in so i understand why you might gravitate towards letting things unfold on their own as opposed to like a tight tight rigid structure yeah although i don't know the other thing that with my my freestyle approach is these thoughts are just little bursts of thought like like my, my comics are all topping out at like five pages um and they're i guess i all of my work's always just been about the same amount of thought or, or sort like uh just one little idea i guess and and uh i'm interested in trying uh to see if there's any benefit to a longer narrative, I guess. Well, your book, Conditions on the Ground, which was about, or those are small ones that were stories that were five pages each. But yeah. then, you, like, one issue would have five stories in it, right? Five right. five page stories. Yeah, exactly. So they're like these little serialized 
yeah things yeah maybe they come across book. as serialized yeah right yeah that yeah yeah but i anyway so i'm i'm trying to do a longer story and a planned out story but this is all you know i'm a bit stuck on it honestly mm. like uh but but it's it's what I'm trying right now. Let's talk about being stuck for a second. Yeah, you sure. know when I approached you about doing this project with me, you said I don't know, Joe. I'm in like a I'm in <laughs> yeah. a weird space right now. I'm having a hard time. Yeah, um, a holding pattern. I've and, been calling it, and it's a common place for any creative person to be. I uh, I believe. Yeah, and I'll I'm the first one to say that I get into those spaces myself a handful of times a year have you arrived at i guess two questions have you figured out what causes them and then mm. also have you figured out any systems or devices to get out of them mm. no <laughs> to both yeah <laughs> not at all I mean, I just, the only thing that I do, and the, the reason why I use the term holding patterns, I, maybe I stay in the air, you know, I just keep circling. Cause, uh, and, and I guess what I mean by that is that I'm, I stay drawing. So I just figure out something I can do that somehow feels productive, and then I, and that I'm still feeling, feeling the same, uh, say, the same hours every day with, with drawing time. Uh, What's so funny over there? I, I just liked your no, <laughs> no answer. Yeah. Sorry. Well, no, I mean I'm in it. You know, I'm no, it's stuck. It's a good answer. It's like I wish, a lot and of, I don't know should, what knocked we me all down. Be saying I don't know. I, I can, don't have an answer. Yeah, more than we do. I could feel it happening. I mean, for me, it's when my, when the writing stops kicking out in any way that seems satisfying. And you have to, you know, I can still write, but it ha it has to come out. And you have to. I have to make myself laugh a little bit or, you know, make myself like it. I have to, I have to be able to read it again and say, and say, I like it to, to have it, have it be anything. And, is, and when that, you know, it could just be self-confidence. I could just be reading stuff and be like, this sucks. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Or maybe it actually sucks. I don't know. Well, no as an outsider looking in, I, I've been watching you work for a number of years now. One of the things that I see working for you is when you, figure out a new way to use a pen this is the most I recent do love, example well yeah like you'll get a new pen yeah you'll put down the the dollar store pen yes that everyone signs a check with and you'll get most recently a, a an interesting japanese pen that yes has an ink cartridge in it yeah and your work really darkened up and it had more contrast and you're playing with light source a bit more. Yeah, that's been my And that was another example been, yeah. where I saw you perk up like, oh, you get really excited about what you're working on. I do get on. all excited. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I can't believe I make work that looks like this now. Yeah. You know, well, those, that, those are important moments. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it. I uh, that was sort of what I did. I, I, uh, writing started drying up for me a bit in February and I, I, I wanted to teach myself a... Uh, I sort of wanted to to copy a, what I was calling a Bronze Age comic style. I don't know how accurate that is to describing. I think it's my interpretation of Bronze Age, but yeah, Bronze Age like conventional DC Marvel comics, uh, where you've got kind of the heavy blacks and and white contrast, and um, yeah, drawing with the brush pen. Um, Do you I've have been a favorite comic? That. Speaking of Marvel comics. A favorite comic? Let me think. Not, I mean, no, I have no one clear favorite. I have like little phases of people I get excited about and uh, and look at their work. Um, you have a pretty but, deep comic book collection. I do, which, and they're sort of classics, right? Like, yeah. I look at your work and I expect oh, a, I expect you to have a, a library of alt comics. I know, but if I look at your collection, it's Iron Man, it's Superman, yeah, it's Spider Man, it's Doctor Strange. No, I weirdly was not part of the I I because I dicked around in the art world so for like uh, from like 1998 to say 2000 and 2008 almost was maybe when I really. Uh, uh, made my pivot as as Obama coined the term. My pivot to my pivot to the comic world, um, and uh, like I said before, I think my books had circulated somewhat in that world, but I just wasn't aware of it. I didn't know about these shows like uh, they have where where people go sit at tables and the whole communities kind of get together. And I never read, you know, I never read Love and Rockets or something in the nineties. I wasn't into that stuff. I was. 
I was into other things, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm not uh, as much as I'm in the alt alternative comics world now. I really don't uh, have a huge history of uh, with it. I'd have to say I learned from you that the term graphic novel oh. is shat upon <laughs> by people that make oh, really? work that fit in that category. Didn't you tell me that? I don't remember saying that. You think it would pop right back into my head uh, what I meant by that? Misremembering, but, uh, as they say. I don't think it's shunned in any way. Okay. Let me think. I don't know. I well, scratch know. that from the record. But then. there is all sorts of people with all. I mean, somebody thinks that. I'm sure. Maybe but, I heard it on a different interview. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I hesitate to to put your work in that category like graphic novel like I it's not really like if I went to the bookstore and looked in the graphic novel section your work I think is doesn't really fit in there for me as a viewer no I like I feel like your work though it's comic based and narrative and panels and speech bubbles and writing I it feels more comfortable in a place like printed matter or maybe yeah like a like a like a like a, like a, a a comic store that's got a very very the alternative com so desert just, island just would something be an that's like an area where the work is a bit more touching yeah and not i mean i used to work for a for a company that put out a lot of comics one of my day jobs mm. and, oh uh, yeah right yeah. nickelodeon sure right? and, yeah uh, i remember this some of the stuff was good, but I always felt like it was a it was a it was a bit too predictable, and the line work was like the aesthetic of it was one thing, and what was I mean the content was geared yeah, towards right. kids, but the way it was made, I was always sort of it just yeah if, like the well, it's, it's too all saturated on the computers and stuff right. And too, your right? your work isn't that at all. No, no, it's it's definitely this alternative comic world, which is not so big, but is super vibrant or something like it, it was i i loved my pivot towards that it felt like all of a sudden i found um uh, i found my people you know and even thinking of pe- when you were talking about pens it was fun like then you'd you'd go to these shows and you'd you get talking to guys about pens and i'm totally into 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 learning right getting the hot new pen tip you know right um yeah can we can we go back to life in seattle yeah sure um and feel free to you know stop me at any point if if this is too yeah, personal so, yeah, or go into it, yeah. you 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 don't want to go there but you're one of my f- friends um that is, that I know that has experienced great loss you lost your right. father mhm and you lost your b- younger brother yeah fairly close at like yeah. similar, at yeah, a similar pretty time. Pretty much right, right after, like, yeah. Boom, college. life-shattering event. Right. And then another one like a couple months later or something like that? Uh, yeah, basically, yes. Mm-hmm. Did those events shape your... Well, obviously, they shaped you as a person. And I'm wondering how that, though, that experience or those losing your dad and your brother seeps into the work at all i mean i i guess i'm thinking about when when you make these books that are pretty philosophical and and mm-hmm. and deep and and heavy and thinking about why we're here and what we're doing i can't help but go like think about you and losing your dad and losing your brother as mm. as sort of fuel for why you make that work it's possible i don't think i'm aware of that if it's the case i mean um my initial reaction, the conscious reaction I had to that was uh, something I mentioned earlier where I just felt like uh, I wasn't going to offer darkness to the world in my work. I was only going to make my, my work was it, it just made sense logically. I just felt like I don't I don't need no one needs no one needs darkness. They need they need, they need help. They need they need to feel better. So, and, and I don't think this was the right impulse. You know, I was pretty young. I mean, not, you know, what seems young now, like, uh, 23 or something. And yeah, this was just my reaction. And I, I think my stuff came, it almost got cutesy or something as a result. It wasn't, it wasn't conscious or, but, uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't, you know how super positive stuff can seem. It just, I, there's some that I I've that's not a philosophy I've held to, but uh, but anyway, there was a guy named Principal that like 
was I was very conscious of like right right then when I first started making art again um uh after those losses I um and then the, I don't know I mean I think the other thing I would think of with being into sort of this I guess what you'd say is almost spiritual stuff uh is that I always like to you know my dad was um he he felt the calling when he was in middle school and uh and went to the seminary to be a monk and and that and instead of high school and college that's where he was uh so he was a spiritual guy he was so he was a pretty spiritual guy and uh and he didn't end up uh he, he was catholic he was raised catholic catholic but you know he didn't end up pursuing the religious spirituality but he was still a pretty spiritual guy and i think we shared that and I always like to think, you know, in trying to make sense of like what drove me to be an artist or like why, why I'm doing, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and making some sense of it all that, uh, that there was some parallel there that, that somehow I was feeling the same kind of, I had the, I had the same thing running through my system that ran through my dad's system. Like, so feel, he called it feeling the calling. I guess for me, maybe it would be too. Like I felt I feel those things. I feel like um, talking about them. They they seem. I I like I like trying to feel the meaning in the world or something greater in the world. I don't. Yeah, I don't know quite how to explain it, but I think you just did. But yeah, right, right. And so, that's in your work. That's right. in your work. Well, thanks, Joe. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I I think I listen to a lot of like. Uh, I don't just in, well. I'm I don't. I'm not going to go down that path. Actually, I'm stopping. <laughs> Very good. Right. Um, and your brother, you know, I never met. I didn't know you back then. He was your younger brother, and, and yeah. he was an outdoorsman. Yeah, and yeah, a and climber. I was. I was too. I mean, that's when I dumped out of when I should have been reading Love and Rockets. I was. Uh, I was kayaking like you. You know, I, I was. Uh, I and was into extreme sports. Yeah, snowboarding like a pioneer snowboarder I was, in, yeah, that, in that right. early eighties. That's right. I was in an early eighties. I used to ride my canoe around. Yeah. No, we were. It was great. It was snowboarding was so great then. It were was you, the. Did you were you pulling fat? methods off of you know it the cornice the grasser was my hot trick it's <laughs> kind grasser. of a, it's a do you remember the grasser it's like a method one. 180 it's a oh, method okay and it's a backside 180 while you're doing your method and you could i don't know i like the, i like this guy jamie lynn who rode for libtech i don't know i had him, one of his snowboards he had a real yeah he used to paint him yeah he was, he was of, an artist yeah, he was like the exactly. artist snowboarder <laughs> he was the artist snowboarder and uh he had real sweet grasser style because you can hold that method hold it hold it and then just flip it whenever you want you know so it kind of, it gives you some room to play with snowboarding was so much about style then it was great all the tricks were like kind of easy and then you'd have your cool style yeah which, now it's acrobatic exactly yeah and sort of like no it's beyond way us. too athletic or something like it's that. it's yeah they train uh, once they started training on trampolines it was over for me uh -huh. i think did you used to snowboard with your brother yes of course yeah yeah a lot yeah yeah we used to you know we did a lot of um we shared that he was the only thing he got into you know mountain climbing and i didn't really i that wasn't my thing i wasn't into mountain climbing but uh but whitewater kayaking and uh, and snowboarding and surfing, we were mm. that we we did a lot of that together. Cool. One of the th one of the this is a common question, but I ask artists who they feel like they're indebted to. Mm. Who who along the way helped you get to where you are now? Oh man, whether that be people or events. Well, I think just being like fortunate enough to have the luxury to you know to indulge in artwork which is semi useless Your for the greater supportive. world yeah yeah right yeah yeah my parents were rel yeah relatively supportive and and had i guess you know they weren't weren't rich but had the money to be able to to send me to college and and let me pursue that in school which was pretty great like uh I I talked to, I I had to do the graduation speech for our department and that's sort of the the take I had on that was like we were we were all pretty damn lucky to like pretend this was our job for 4 years and it it was it felt great you know that was a that was a good time um did you have a teacher a i guess while we were talking well, about well no I, not 
there wasn't a specific teacher not or... really my my high school art teacher i mean i liked them all and like i've gone and visited her uh you know in the past few years i guess but i i wasn't so influenced i mean i liked you know i was influenced by writers like i was a huge vonnegut fan i still am like i still have to reconnect with vonnegut every now and then i i i love his thinking is there um, a favorite book that he wrote that um, you would put on top no i mean i've you know i read every uh i no, no not really okay. not really i just like i i like the way he thinks i guess so uh uh anything he writes i'm pretty into <laughs> i concur yeah books yeah are pretty good yeah, yeah right right i mean uh, i haven't i haven't been any reading. other books uh i um, ask about books sometimes when i talk to people hmm. so vonnegut yeah, that was huge. Vonnegut was hugely influential for me in, in middle school. Like he was kind of writing my philosophy for life when I was kind of figuring it out at that age. Uh, and uh, I mean, no, I'd no. say I'm, he's he'd be pretty standout, I guess, in terms of like there was no one else quite as meaningful. I, I mean, I read a lot of a lot of this stuff, all the all of the all of the stuff the angsty teen goes through. I was into, and my dad was feeding me that too because he he had the angsty teen side, or angsty teen slash spiritual side. Um, right. Is there uh, just sticking on books for a second? What about other comics or other alt comics that you gravitate towards, or think are like this is actually pretty great. Well, I like I like alt comics now. I mean, I've uh, I like uh, the I like uh, this guy Simon Hanselman out of uh, Tasmania. He's, he's kind of just doing like fun. I don't know. He values humor. I like that. He's I laugh when I read his comics. There's a girl, uh, Lisa Hannawalt, I really like. Um, who is doing it's a non it's sort of a style that i that i can relate to where she's just sort of there's no format for her books in a way she's just writing down funny things she thinks about things Um, and it's common for these artists to draw and write there's never are there part are there teams like in the the world i mean that's yeah in the world i am i mean there are teams i and i'm i think it would be fun to draw to draw something draw a book somebody else wrote and that's certainly the the more standard comic convention i guess is to have writing and uh, drawers separated but maybe maybe as in uh there's kind of a singer songwriter thing going on now that, that that's valued um being able to see the voice and and there's that's always been strong like if you have if the, both those hands are working together the writing and the and the drawing like maybe there is something that magical that can happen with that um i was i was caught in my tracks recently when when we were over for a visit and you sh- and you showed me one of the early early star original star wars books illustrated star wars books oh right that you have been reading oh to your son. yeah the wookie book the wookie storybook the, the yeah. wookie storybook the story of chewbacca i i I didn't see those when I was when we were kids oh, yeah. in, the, in the early right. '80s when those came out. There's only a couple. I had made. The, I had the picture books that were stills from yeah, the movie yeah. that had like a you know description. But when you showed me that and you showed me the illustrations in that, I said, "Whoa, this is helping me understand how your brain thinks." Like, if were those important to you? <laughs> they were deeply important to me. I didn't even realize until they came back into my life and I opened those pages again like I mean you sometimes you yeah sometimes you have trouble seeing yourself but yeah that I mean can you yeah, and hugely uh, important do you remember like, the had, illus- the artist's name the illustrator's name no, Patricia something no, it was it, you're right it is it a, a Patricia woman. but I don't think it's someone of any you know further acclaim like a standout illustrator just some 70s person they got to to kick out a storybook could you describe her work movie. <laughs> well, I could describe the planet Kashik where uh, where the Wookiees live. Actually, they were banished there from their original planet, but uh, uh, they live in the treetops in in like kind of Ewoki style Very houses. Foresty. But this would have been drawn before that stuff was envisioned. I wonder if that actually, if Kashik actually made uh, influenced Return of the Jedi. But uh, uh, yeah. And it's a it's a treetop life that looks pretty good. And the reason they have to do that is because uh, the 
the lower regions, the nother world, as they call it, is um, is all like swamp with like all sorts of nasty swamp creatures, uh, which are pretty imaginative. And I, I guess I can see that on in both the treetop for houses and <laughs> and the swamp, I can see the influences in my work. Influences are important. And yeah. they exist. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know. It's funny and. And a lot of artists try that, and hide them or like say they like, oh, that didn't seep in. But yeah, I know I was really, it really st- stood out for me when I saw it. No, I mean, work. now, yeah, I've I've got the four year old, so I'm going through it all again. I'm, and actually, Dr. Zeus was pretty influential for me now. That's another series of books I've been uh, I've been buying up for him. And looking at and having the same feeling like, oh, my God, I used to like live in this world in my imagination. Mm -hmm. How has it been being a parent and being an artist? Do you think it's helped your work in a way or opened up your eyes to other things? No, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I can't I can't really think. I mean, I haven't been I haven't explored this in my mind before, but I can't really think of a a way that it's benefited my work. I don't I don't think so. I do some dad comics about dad issues, but that's can't be a benefit. I'm thinking Um, I don't know. Would you say it's not benefiting because it's. It's well, just time. It's like it's, an, it's just another thing that you have on huge your project. list of responsibilities. Yeah, raising it's just a, a child. That's right. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's just such a huge project, and and part of the project of being an artist is yeah, trying to trying to figure out how to let your mind wander just right in a way, right. and, and and like you know that's yeah, to take a long bath would probably be good for my art and and bad for my parenting. You know. Well, you've got some artwork around your house that look that you've. I'm going to assume you've made with your son. Oh, well, there you go. And yeah, now there's that. There's that. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of fun. It's funny because I, I've had a few people come through for studio visits and, and not studio, but, you know, people just coming over. and people, Art hangs. Art, art hangs, right. And uh, I've had people who have been really into that work. Sometimes I'm a little disappointed because I'm sitting here like, so diligently trying to get my perfect, you know, black and white rendering done and the stuff that I hot glued like a million, um, what are those, th- uh, pipe cleaners together is like somehow just more captivating right. for the visitor. But Well, you know, there is that, you know, there's, it's fashionable to make work that's got pipe cleaners and it spaz does, out I, involved it, in it. I know. So. Well, there's that. I mean, I, I don't like, I can't speak so much about the artworks. I just don't pay attention to it and I don't know what's going on with it but uh you know there's a there seems to be a trend of like how shitty can you make your make it like how little can effort can you make it look like right. went into this in a way right or, yeah like, if you took those I know the, the they're sculptures they're like cardboard boxes that you you and yeah, your yeah. son painted and glued puffs little puffy yeah, things right, and, yeah. and threw glitter all over and put pipe cleaners all over you could put those in a gallery in Chelsea, yeah, and it would fit. No, right I've, in these I've, days. you know, I've seen it. I've and you know seen what? I think that's galleries. okay. I think that's okay. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that's a bad. It's thing. interesting. I mean, it's a pure. You know, I've, I'm assuming that what those artists are going for is is not so dissimilar that uh, from what Gus and I are going for when we make that stuff. I think it's you know? freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like a freedom and like an honesty and like a looseness and. Just trying to find maybe some sort of primal impulse and what what shows when you find that impulse. I guess this would be my take on what they're going for. And kids, they're excellent at that. You yes, know, they do it quite naturally. And then we lose it. We lose it along the way. Yeah. And then we try and find it again. Yeah, yeah. That's my experience. I'm it, trying to find that again. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I could see I, that would be my guess at, at part of the struggle you're in. Yeah, and I I, I don't know how much I'm. I mean, actually, I'm. I feel like my struggles are a little different because they become such defined terms when you're in like uh, the comics world. All of a sudden, you've got like form. It's like it's a little like making a movie or something. You've got like a f- a format to work within, I guess, or something. I'm remembering another thing you mentioned to me that I thought was interesting. Um, that I think you heard from another comic artist say that once you do a page. And you get a few more pages ahead, and then those new pages make the the earlier pages seem lesser than. Right. 
and the the rule is never go back and change that the first pages mm-hmm. to try and match the pages like three four pages down the road would do you subscribe to that do i subscribe to that never go back and change the pages to match not to match but like i don't know when i've you know i'm trying to i've done these little projects where i make narrative books with 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 my kid mm-hmm. and i'll get to a draw or for my kid and i'll i'll on like the fourth drawing i'll be like oh that's what i've been trying to do and i'll go back and try and make the first drawing feel like that fifth drawing right so that there's like a a, a visual consistency and also yeah yeah no uh, that yeah i know what you mean yeah okay. but you, when i told you about that problem you're like Oh, we don't do that. We, oh, oh. <laughs> we leave it be. <laughs> we leave. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> we leave it be, yeah. Well, I don't know why. I feel like I feel like I have maybe some other side of myself that's been talking to you about comics because I don't remember this at all. But uh, I think I remember saying, I think Bushema, John Bushema, the, the he's like a 70s, he's a Bronze Age hero of the comic uh-huh. world, I guess. But I think he said, uh, um, well, it was sort of a time-based thing. But yeah, you you don't, you don't. If you did a page that's crappy, like you don't correct it. You just make the next page better. Is it was what he said. But but and that's part of what I like about those guys. They were cranking. They had these deadlines. You didn't have time to like worry if you'd made the perfect thing. You had you had to keep cranking. And something in my drawing habit is is also that like. I like to just keep it, keep keep the ink rolling, keep the new pages turning. You know? Right, and there's something about the original gesture, that first gesture, to circle back to what we first started talking about when you sat down. This honest move, this truthful move, mm-hmm. um, and usually that's the first thing that's going to come out, right? And to go back and revise that is suddenly not being honest. Yeah, in a way. Oh, yeah. And and you see it. I, you know what I've started doing because with the with the camera phones, I, you'll take I'll take a picture. I'll be like, okay, I've got something with this. Like if I've laid something out with like kind of broad strokes or whatever, and uh, I, I, yeah, I'll take a picture. And and you, I definitely can ruin it and t- and tighten it, try and get everything just right, and and lose what was good about it. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's sort of what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's just the, like letting things be, and that's just how it came out. Move forward. Yeah, that the first gesture can of, often be a good one. It's it's true, although, um, yeah, yeah. Um, what you recently linked up with a publisher that published yeah. a, a pretty thick hardcover book of all your work. Mm-hmm. Not all your work, but. The first ten com issues I did of that, of conditions of that on monthly, the ground monthly thing, yeah. Um, and how long is that's available? Right, you can that's available. Online. Yeah, you can get it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Conditions on the ground by Kevin Hoyman. Buy them up. <laughs> <laughs> They're in some basement it's, somewhere. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful book. Um, yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, Kev, I think your work. You know, I have a couple of your original drawings in my house, one of which is hanging about in our bathroom. Yeah, no, I know. You know the one? I'm, I've am i always been a bathroom artist, and I, um, I like that role. But I, it sounds uh, disrespectful. It's like I put your artwork in my bathroom, but I put it there because where it is is above the toilet. And when That's I'm right. standing to take a pee. How long does it take to read that thing? Just I read it every right. time I pee. There you go. And I put it there because there's a, and you know what? If I were a, a, a better human being, I could cite what it says right now. Right. Um, it's about space. Is that right? It's about our place in the universe yeah. and our 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 relativity, our, our relative smallness to the vastness yes. of the universe. Yeah. And I read that, that. Every, multiple times a day when I pee, and it's sort of like a little daily affirmation or reminder for me to keep things in check and to not not look too inward to always be looking outward. And I think that's a good message. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's yeah, one of the good. things that I like about your work is there's a, there's a, there's a, a mostly specific message and it's a positive one. And you started yeah. to talk about that with your decision to, to sort of 
find happiness in life after losing your dad and your That's, brother. Yeah. And, yeah, and try and, that, and tr if I was going to offer things to the world, have that be the thing I offer. Yeah, and yeah. I, I really believe that that comes through in your work. And those people that know your work, I'm sure, would agree with me. And well, thanks, I'm Joe. sure the people that will come to your work will see that as well. <laughs> All right. And, um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. strong, compelling work. And it, and thanks, it, and Joe. It, and it, it operates on a few different levels as as a comic, as a piece of art. I mean, all these things are sort of the same thing I'll at a certain out point. But someday exactly what I should be doing with this. Yeah. And and does it matter? I mean, I think well, you, just, you just keep doing it and see where it goes. That's the thing. That's the thing. You're right. I mean, that's it actually doesn't matter. It, it's I've proven that now. I've done it in all sorts of ways, and I have the same exact habit no matter what that I just draw what's night. important is that you make these things and put them out there for people to see i guess so i guess so <laughs> <laughs> all right i Kev. can put them on the internet now so you know yeah. there's, that's you've always got that great well thank you kevin all Hoyman. right thank you joe hart to the end. I hope that you found that conversation insightful. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured here by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. And I feel compelled to share with you the writing from Kev's drawing that hangs in my bathroom. Here it is. The greatest benefit that could come from the U.S. space program is not man setting foot on the moon or Mars. It is rather the perspective he may gain on his small, vulnerable, lonely home planet. The appearance of our mottled blue and white sphere from thousands of miles out should make us conscious of the exceptional conditions under which the phenomenon we call life, the only life of which we have any knowledge, originated. We should be impressed by the beauty and fragility of this dynamic balance that has been preserved for so many hundreds of millions of years during which life has persisted on Earth. And we should especially appreciate the shortness of our tenure on Earth and use the powers we have so recently assumed to perpetuate not destroy the balance. Thanks again for listening and check back soon for a new episode.